0: Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our bold conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to him are radiant. Hey, we are in this uh, series called Battle, and kind of the idea is that at the beginning of the year we go through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so, I each year like to start with a prayer series where we focus in on our relationship with God. We talk about what it means when we pray, how God is at work, and so we decided to launch out of Ephesians chapter six, the famous spiritual armor text that Paul writes to church in Ephesus, where he gives language. Uh, of, of armor, and, and, and it's specific to the supernatural life that we're called to live. And so today, uh, we're gonna continue in that series. And what we've been doing is taking a piece of the armor and looking at it each week, and we're gonna continue that today with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your iPhones, or I, anything, open those up to Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna read it, then I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna talk about it, and then we'll pray again. And then uh, we'll let you go cheer for the chiefs and everybody that's wearing a 49ers uniform, uh, not uniform, jersey today. Let's just pray over them. Uh, this is about spiritual warfare, and I just don't want anything in the room. That No, just kidding. All right, just kidding. Oh, bad joke. Somebody got offended. Sorry, send me the email. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter six. I'll hear about it. Ephesians chapter six, uh, verse 10. Here we go. Paul says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So it's the whole armor. It's not just pick the few that you like. It's put on the whole armor. So when you read this, you don't want to just pick a few. You have a vision to put on all, that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That presupposes that the devil has schemes. So if you're one of those people that you're not sure, let's read this and and look at the fact that the enemy has schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Most of us think of our whole lives in context of flesh and blood. We think about just the things that we can see. But Paul says there's a deeper reason here. He says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Heavenly places. So there's a war going on or we're using the word. There's this battle, the spiritual battle. Therefore, so as a result of that, because there's a battle going on, what do you do? What's your job? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all All circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we love you today and we ask that the word of God uh, would come alive inside of our hearts. We pray that you would open our eyes, open up our heart eyes, open up the eyes of our heart that we could have supernatural revelation, that we would see this. And God, we ask that we would uh, love your word more than ever before. As we go into 2020, I ask, Lord, for each person that's here, that they would have a vision, Lord God, to take the the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and use it and meditate and, and act with it Bless them, strengthen them, I I pray in Jesus' name. And Radiant said, amen. Amen. On Friday, I was out with uh, my wife, Renata, and she said, hey, David, do you think that we should sell the elliptical machine that's in our basement? Yeah. Now, inherent in that question is this. Hey, David, you don't use that machine, and neither do I. It exists in our home, but we don't use it. Therefore, Should we get rid of it? And I wanna talk today about this idea of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, because my vision is that you would use what God has given you by virtue of living in this wealthy nation. There's a really good chance that you already have a Bible. And if you don't have one, we'll give you one at the info booth. If you've got uh, some kind of device, you can download a Bible app for free. But we have more access to the word of God than any generation in history. And what I wanna encourage you to do is to activate to take what has been given to us, the word of God, the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit and to use it. And when you read this here, this text, Ephesians 6, Paul talking to the church at the end and he's giving these context, this whole idea of standing against the enemy. So four times he says, stand, 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 stand. And the idea is that there is this enemy and he's coming after you and you gotta gotta step into the supernatural life that God has given you to stand against the enemy. So it presupposes the idea that you've got this opportunity to walk in supernatural spirit spiritual strength, but you need to put on the armor or take up the shield or take up the sword. And each one of these speak of some kind of defensive mechanism, helmet of salvation, uh, belt of truth. It's all about defense except for this one, the sword of the spirit this is offensive. So no Roman soldier would go into battle without a sword. And the nature of this sword is that this sword, as as Paul talks about it, is, it's, it's actually on the offense. So yeah, and when you're in a sword fight, there's some degree of defensive, but it also has the capacity to be offensive. And it's kind of interesting. Because this idea here, this word, the the word of God, sword of the spirit, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He's encouraging you, take it up, use it. It's not, it's interesting because there's three Greek words for the word word. I know, (laughs) let me say that again. There's three Greek words. So New Testament written in Greek is there's three different words for that word. And so I'm gonna give you those and because it kind of helps us kind of understand what he's saying here. It, it, the the first word that we would use the word word is, is <laughs> I know it's hard. You should have heard the first service. It was like, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. All right, anyway. So <laughs> I'm going to be better this time. But the the first definition of the word word is graphe and it speaks of the, the written word so the written scriptures right so it's it's this it's 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 the written word all right and so you can read jesus jesus would use the word graphe speaking of the scriptures and and that just speaks of of its it's written it's it's these pages it's it's what's written and then there's the logos, second Greek word. And, and that is the message. So that's not the actual book. That's what it says. This is the message, right? So we're familiar with the paraphrase Eugene Peterson wrote called the message. He's speaking of that, the logos, all right? So that's John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. It's that idea of, that's logos. It's Jesus is the message in that context. It's, that's, that's the idea of that word. That's what it's speaking of. But then there is a third word for the word word. And that word is the Greek word. And it's the Greek word rhema, all right? So here's Paul, and that's the Greek word that Paul uses here. And here's what rhema is. Rhema is is not speaking of this book. And rhema is not necessarily speaking of the message. It's building on those. But rhema is those existing inside of you so that you speak speak the word of God. It's utterance. So that Greek word for the word word is utterance. It's speaking. So when Paul is here saying the word of God, which the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, don't, don't think of it as, as, as taking down the enemy with like a sword drill when you're a kid. Like it's, it's a little bit different than like you're fighting with the Bible. It, it builds on that. Because it's fully that. And so go for it. Spend your money on Bibles. I mean, get a goatskin Bible. If you're going to spend money on Jordans, upgrade your Bible, baby. I mean, like, spend money here. Know that. Get that. All right. But in addition, get to where you know it, where you, where you understand what it says. Buy Logos Bible software. Get in a small group. Understand it. I mean, talk about it. Get, get around smart, brainiac people like Nathan that understand things. And, you know, just get around people. But you build on those things. And here's here's the Greek word here. It's this word, rhema, so that when you know it, you have it, you know it, you can speak it. And it's like in a battle. It's like you're in a spiritual battle and you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. You gotta know so that when the enemy comes after you, you're able to... A.W. Tozer wrote a book called, I Talk Back to the Devil. That's the idea. I talk back, it's, it's, it's got a snarl. It's not today, Satan, it's that. It is, it is that's culturally correct. It is, right, it's that, it's that rhema. And we see this in a couple conversations. Like there's a conversation I wanna juxtapose. You, when you think about Genesis chapter three, there's a conversation where the enemy comes and, and comes to deceive Eve. And so if you remember that story, uh, God speaks and the enemy comes and says, first thing that's attacked is, did God really say? And in that story, Eve chooses to disobey God, and we have the fall. And so you've got that conversation. And, and if you're not careful, if you don't have the rhema word of God, and the enemy comes to deceive you, and he does, I mean, we find... Over and over again, Jesus warns that the enemy is out to deceive. Peter tells us that it's like a roaring lion. I mean, we've got, he's called the accuser. Those lies are coming. And if you don't have that combat, that I talk back to the devil reality in your life, then it's easy just to hear the lie, believe the lie and disobey. But there is someone who talked back to the devil. There is an example of someone who shows us what it's like to take up the sword of the spirit and talk back, to actually have the word of God on your tongue, on your lips. And it's the story that Jesus, Matthew chapter three, the baptism the event where the father says, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus is led and goes into the wilderness and the devil comes and, and, and talks to him three times. And, and in that context, it's interesting because the enemy comes and Jesus has just heard from heaven this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well-pleased. And then the first two statements, Matthew 4.3, Matthew 4.6, from the enemy is, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, and just like that, he's coming and he's, he's attacking identity. If you are, if you are, which is what the enemy will do, for you, do to you, you're a Christian, you're a son, you're the beloved, if you are, I mean, he's coming after you with, he's coming after you with accusation. He's coming after you with attack. And what we find here is Jesus' response is to quote the scriptures. So three different times when the enemy comes to him in the wilderness, Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And Jesus talks back. And he's, it's pretty interesting because he's talking back and quoting the book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) Jesus has got some deep knowledge, right? I mean, he's not just quoting like the Psalms. He's got Deuteronomy for each context of the enemy's attack. And here's the idea. If Jesus, son of God, quotes the scriptures back to the devil, how much more ought we have inside of us this dependency on, I'm going to speak the word of God back. I'm going to have it inside of me. Hebrews 4 says that, it is, that the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. My dream for you is that in 2020, you gain a vision that you would take a step in meditating, knowing the word of God, understanding the word of God, logos, and then get some of this fight, this pick up your sword and go after the enemy This rhema, I've got it inside of me so I'm able to speak it. It's alive, it's working. That's the dream. The dream is that that would grow inside of you so that it kind of works twofold because it, it breaks off the lies of the enemy in your own life. And that's where most people start. Most people think my life is messed up and I'm tempted to believe the lies of the enemy. So I'm tempted to believe I'm not worthy. I'm not a saint. I can't be loved. And I need to get the word of God inside of me so that I can fight that. And that's true. And I'd encourage you to start there. But since next week is small group Sunday, let me just say this. If you have the word of God inside of you, you've meditated on it. And so you've got a rhema word ready to go. I mean, you've studied the graffe, you know the message of the logos and you have got the word of God on your tongue. Then not only do you talk back to the devil for your own life, but you'll be surprised how the Lord will use the fact that you've got the word of God on your tongue to help set other people free. So the way we say it around here at Radiant is we wanna help you know God and we wanna help you find freedom. So come into relationship with Jesus, know God, and then next step is to cut off the things that keep you bound. So picture it this way. If you were to to imagine... mm, You were to imagine... Did the pastor say uterus imagine? Yes, he did. If you were to imagine... Enjoy the Baptist church, everybody. See you later. All right. <laughs> Nathan, you want to finish? All right. Um, picture people uh, that are bound. All right. <laughs> Will's like, David, keep going, brother. Keep going. And just, just imagine that they're bound by, let's just, let's just say like they're bound by ropes. And, and, and let's just say that those ropes kind of symbolize um, lust and greed and anger and, and, and if you could just picture that that's really the culture that we live in, cause, because you're, you're, you're a Christ follower, so you've said yes to Jesus, so your worldview is, my life is about following God, and I have a creator, and I have purpose, and, and I will live with God in eternity, but that's a different worldview than people that are bound. They live in a worldview that says, I am the point. My whole life is about my fun and my comfort. It's, about just, it's just about me and some other people that I choose to enjoy. And, and who knows what the future may hold. There may or may not be an eternity. So, so by nature of that, the way that they think is different. And it's easy for these things to fester. And many people are bound. They do not have freedom in the area of pride anger, lust, greed. But imagine if you've got on your tongue, the word of God, it's like a sword. And that's the metaphor that Paul uses here. It's the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And you're around that context, whether it's at your office, at your university, in a small group, sitting at Starbucks, normal conversations taking place, but you've got the word of God inside of you. So the written word is kind of You've been read and the the meaning, the understanding has has taken place so that the rhema is able to look at a situation and someone who is entrenched in greed, you're able to just speak the word of God, not condemning, but just it's on you. It's in you. So you're able to speak it. You're able to speak eternal ideas instead of temporal ideas. You're able to talk about the way that God works, and what God's word says, and I'm telling you, it sets people free. And so when you're sitting in a small group and someone's filled with all kinds of false views of God, false views of the word of God, false views of their lives, false view of eternity. If you do not have a sword, if you don't have the word of God inside of you, it's easy just to sit back and kind of make something up. But if you've got the word of God, Hebrews 4 is alive and active and it's on your tongue, then you're making the enemy pay. Then you're on offense. Then you're taking them out. My little girl, um, Adeline, uh, she's got blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, she's small, screams a lot. My baby. Um, she, uh, she was dealing when she was younger with a, a, just a, a lie. She was dealing with just something that the enemy had allowed to get in. And, and she had an experience that she attributes to the Lord helping her find freedom. So this is her story. And she says that she was uh, listening to a video or watching a video um, and of Hermie and Wormie. Now, Hermie and Wormie, I know uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with subculture Christianity. Um, so you, most of the time, our children are discipled by vegetables. Um, <laughs> but if you're really on the in crowd, you're not just discipled by vegetables, you're discipled by bugs. And so... <laughs> Veggie tails are kind of the outer court, but you can move in with Hermie and Wormie. And they're caterpillars and bugs that teach the Bible, just like Larry and Mo, Larry and Bob, yeah. Um, <laughs> back to who's on first. So anyway, uh, what kind of church did we go to? So um, anyway, so she was listening to that video, watching the video, and then we're on vacation, and she was wrestling. And on our vacations, we have our kids just go spend time with God. And so uh, Renata likes to make sure everybody's got the right Bible, the right highlighter, the right tea. I'm knocking back coffee and caffeine. And, 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 and Adeline opens up her Bible, and it goes to John 8, 32, which says, the truth will set you free. Now, for her, she's heard Hermy and Wormy sing the song, the truth will set you free. And so for her, she had this moment where she was like, is this, is this the scripture for me? God, are you, are you wanting me to get, find freedom or get set free from the lies that I believe because you're the truth? And so here she is, a little girl, and she's, she's praying John 8. She's got John 8, and she's, like, she's, she's thinking, and in her, the way she tells the story is that day in her time with God, she felt like that was the verse for her freedom. And later that night, she went to Renata and did not speak of her time alone with God, just said, Mom, here's the battle that I'm struggling with. And Renata looked at her and said, well, Adeline, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And Adeline's eyes lock up. And to this day, she talks about that being the pivotal moment to help her start to walk in freedom, the word of God on Renata's lips. You with me? So sword of the spirit, probably true that John eight thirty two came alive to Renata as Renata was walking in her own spiritual battle, but because she had it in her arsenal, she's able to whoosh, and just speak it. And it sets other people free. Word of God is alive and active. So you've got these, you've got people, we have these, and I'm asking you not to just know the word of God for your sake. Yeah, for your sake. But I'm telling you, we have people that live in constant lies and we have the privilege of meditating, knowing this, getting it inside of us. So then we understand it like the logos, like we get the message and we know, and then we're we're looking for opportunity to just You got your sword ready to go. Right? It's ready. It's ready. And there's many of us that you're time and time again there's that chance where the Holy Spirit would love for you to just The only sword fight I know of is Princess Bride. So that's all that's in my head right now. It's all I can picture. I know something you don't know. Hmm, I am not left handed. What's up? Right? Like, that's my favorite. Sorry, child of the 80s. But, um, um, so, so, I have no idea what it's talking about. So, uh, let's go, let's just, let's just go here. I just want you to see this. I want you to see a few ideas. Number one is this God's word puts you on offense. Okay? So when you've got the word of God inside of you, it helps you not just, not just the five different parts of the armor that are defense, protect, but it gives you the strength, the sword of the spirit, the word of God inside of you to go on offense. And some of you, you don't even have a vision to live on offense, right? And here's what I want to invite you. I don't want to say that in a condemning way. I want to say that as an invitation to imagine your life as more than just survival, Like I was a youth pastor for 20 years, right? (laughs) That wasn't bad. I said it like it was bad. Like Jean Valjean. I wasn't, no, it was great. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Freedom. No, just kidding. All right. No, no, no. Dylan, I'm totally kidding. All right. For 20 years, and and most people, when I would talk to them about helping their teenagers, parents, most of the language was just help my kid survive these years, And I want to tell you that when you go to try to help a teenager not make bad choices, like I pity you because you're in puberty, you can do this, let's make it through these hard years, you you don't, you have them living on defense and it's not enough, but you give them a vision to go on offense and say, hey, let's go make a difference at your school. Let's, let's 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 jump on airplanes and go to the unreached places around the world that've never heard the gospel. You give them a vision about defense because there is a purpose and a calling on their life to live on offense, and you'll, you'll they can see the spiritual vision. I want to encourage you. You might be sixty five, and the temptation is to recoil and just go. I just want to go back into survival mode. Here's what I to invite you with: get inside of you. No, no, no. I want the Word of God inside of me so that I can fight the attacks of the, the enemy. But every victory you have over him personally will give you the opportunity to help set other people free. So if you've struggled with pornography and lust and you find freedom, you know what? The Lord will say, now watch this. I'm gonna help, use you to help other people find freedom. Yeah. If you find freedom over fear, God will use you to help other people find freedom so that you are on the offense, because the enemy is on the attack, and the dream is that you would say, okay, I'm going to be on offense, and one of the things I like about the Adeline uh, story I just told you is that now John 8, 32 has become her war cry, her battle verse against her struggle, so she put a verse with the battle, and I want to invite you to do the same. Look at Look at the area of your life that you are struggling and, and get a verse that is in the word of God and let that verse be your war cry that you go and you attack, you use it against the enemy. A friend of mine, um, while his family was sleeping, uh, had someone break into their home. Uh, they were asleep on, on the up, in the upstairs, take... Uh, Basically clean them out, take everything of value on the main level. Um, and, and this friend of mine then uh, obviously experienced whatever loss took place because of that burglary. But in addition, he started to struggle with fear. Not just in his own life, but here he is this protector of his home. So for his wife and his children, has five kids. And so he went and he decided to get a verse to help him battle the fear and he chose this one, Psalm 127, 7, 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And he wrote it on a card, like a note card, and he put it near the door, the front of his house, and the sliding glass door at the rear of his house. And then just like a college football team will tap, play like a champion today as they run on the field, he would just tap that at night as he was praying over his family and going to bed. He just touched that note card and then quote that verse as he was going to bed. And and he was taking a verse and saying, I'm not gonna live in fear. I'm going to live in victory. And I would encourage you, the word of God, alive and active. The word of God, get, get a verse for your battle. Not just, if you don't, your temptation will be just the latest blog that you've read, someone else's ideas, or your own ideas. But you want something with some power on it? The word of God. And so own it. Okay, a couple more ideas is this. God, number two, God's word gives you God's plan. God's word gives you God's plan. Here's what I mean by this. As you get the word of God inside of you and you begin to fight, fight the enemy, it gives you God's plan, what God wants to do sometimes when you don't have the word of God, you're already a believer. You've said yes to Jesus, but you don't, you don't have this inside of your heart and your head. Then, then it's easy to just make your best guess. And usually you'll make a guess based upon really your bent, like what, the way that God's wired you. So for example, if you look at Moses, God created Moses and God wanted to use Moses as a deliverer. But remember the moment where Moses goes and he kills the Egyptian and the way that I see it is that Moses was stepping into being a deliverer, but he was doing it his way, not God's way. You see it with Peter. Peter, he was ready to be loyal to Jesus. He, he was ready to, to, to stand. He's said it over and over again. And there's that moment where he pulls out the sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way. And I think all of us tend to do that. When we don't have the word of God inside of us, it's easy for us to just say, well, I'm, I think I know what I'm doing here. I'm just gonna do my thing and ask God to bless it. Instead, I wanna invite you, pull back, meditate on the word of God, get the word of God inside of you, and it will help you walk, not according to your plan and asking God to just bless what you're doing, but where you hear his voice, you see what he says in the word of God, and then You take steps. So, and then this is the last idea. God's word gives you your purpose. So we say around here a lot, discover your purpose. And one of the ways that we talk about that is through a a spiritual gifts uh, test. We do that in our step two of our next steps to help you know what your spiritual gifts are. And I wanna encourage you with this. You'll be surprised how much meditating on the word of God, getting it in your heart and in your head and starting to quote scriptures, say things, You'll be surprised how there are certain scriptures will come alive to you and you will start to discover your purpose because the word of God is starting to fill. You're meditating on it and you're getting to know it because each one of us have something that God's called us to do and you're not the full body on your own. All of us together are a, a spiritual house. All of us together are the body. So you've got different verses that talk about your... Some of us are like the nose or the leg or the ear. Some of us are like, you know, we're living stones. All of us together, using the spiritual gifts that God has for us, make up God's, the body of Christ. Okay. But when you get the word of God inside of you, you start studying the scriptures, here's what will happen. There will be some, some components that are tied to your calling, your destiny, that those Verses, the word of God will just come alive inside of you, and you'll be surprised. Like this is something God is doing inside of me. So, in our church, we have people that the Lord has called them to the area of adoption. We have people in our church that there's people that, man, you talk about prayer, they come alive. We have people in our church, man, you talk about discipleship, that comes alive. You talk about some people, it's the nations, right? And that's that's a, that's the way a healthy church should be. We should. And you have a role in it. And as you get the word of God inside of you, you'll be surprised how you start to discover that purpose. So I think about like uh, when I was in junior high, there was a guy in our church and he, I thought he was extremely old. Like I was 12 and he just seemed old to me, you know, like he was balding, he was really loud. And so it turns out he was 24, but uh, He'd just finished his fourth year of college, but I thought he was like an old man. And um, he would yell at us, you know, in junior high, and he had this message that was inside of him. He'd, he'd look at us, and literally when he read the scriptures and when he would speak, it was the nations, like unreached people groups, ponte te ethne was his ministry. It was all about let's go reach the hardest and the darkest areas with the gospel. And so he would take these verses, and I remember one time him just, Screaming at the top of his lungs, going, Your favorite verse is Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And then he goes, He snarls. But you haven't even read the next line. I will be exalted among the nations. And we're like, Ah, you know, like judgment and wrath, you know, like we are still and not knowing, you know, like just like it was inside of him. And then he came one time and he was speaking on David and man, I'd heard the story of David and Goliath my whole life. And when I pictured David and Goliath, I knew what it was. I knew it was us conquering our Goliaths, right? Like, uh, like when you're short, everybody tells you that story. It's your favorite one. <laughs> I sang solos of that story. I'm a small little lad with a sling in my hand and five stones that are small fighting round. When the Lord gave me power to go with his name, that big giant lay dead on the ground. Right, like that was my story. And he looked at it and he said, you don't know the story. And he's like, the story, I mean, old man, 24 years old, screaming like, he's like, this is where David looks at Goliath. And he says to the Philistines, today I will cut off your head and give the carcasses of the Philistines to the birds of the air. And the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. That's the story of David and Goliath. And you're like, carcasses, nations, (laughs) cutting off heads. Whoa. Like when he reads it, I mean, it was in him. Like it was just, and when you got around him, it was like you were like, "What do I got to sell? I, I will give, I will give to that which country? Haka-laka-laka-stan, because I want them to." I mean, I was twelve, but I was ready to go. Right? Why? Because because it was alive inside of him, and the thing that God had called him to do that was was burning. And when I when I got was working on my undergrad, um, my one of my, my favorite professor, he would take almost almost every class. And it somehow came to the poor, the orphan, the widow. And he would quote James one twenty seven about true religion being to help widows and orphans. And, and man, he had all going all the time about how Jesus took the outsider, the leper, the hurting, and made him an insider. And just, I mean, every class, and he would get all teary. And he was probably in his... Late 50s, early 60s, and he had this like soft, soft soft-spoken, and every time I got around him, I was like, oh, I got to sell the Mustang, you know, like, I just, I got, oh, I just, I want to go help the poor in Oklahoma City, and I'll give you one more. I remember when I, my first job in Colorado, where my boss was six foot four, and was just with a big voice and he would take the microphone and he would just pray louder than I'd heard anyone pray in my entire life. And every time he talked, he talked about the father's house and he would talk about the prodigal, Luke 15. He talked about parenting. He would talk about fathers praying over their sons and daughters. He'd quote uh, about Jacob and his 12 sons praying a prayer of blessing. And he had like, at the time I thought he had like, crazy amount of kids. I think he had four, which is the same as what I have. But anyway, back then I thought it was amazing, you know, like he was just and he was just this father and it just came out of him. Here's my point. Man, as as each one of those guys were just studying the scriptures, the Lord was putting stuff inside of him and he's got stuff inside of you. He, and and you'll find more of your purpose, calling, what he wants you to champion, live out. If you'll just get in it, go after it. Let me just read Psalm 119. It's kind of a conclusion. Famous text about meditating on the word of God. And today I just want to invite you to have this new commitment in 2020 to get the word of God inside of you, in your head, in your heart, meditate on it so that you can find freedom and you can help other people find freedom. Psalm 119. Famous text, verse nine. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Put that on a frame right there. Look at that area of addiction. Look at that area and just know there's a connection there according to the psalmist. In fact, uh, some of you, when you hear this, you think, David, this sounds like go get a seminary degree. This not, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, Josh Hubbard... Um, we were talking about this this week. And he said, the pastor that I knew that spoke the word of God more than any other pastor I've ever known lives in Alabama, which was painful for me, but I got over it. But he said, lives in Alabama, (laughs) sorry, insecurity. Yeah, lives in Alabama. And he said this, he was an NFL player, got hurt, um, went into some drugs, selling drugs, went to prison. In prison, gave his life to Jesus. While he was in prison, got around a few people that would study the scripture for hours a day alone, then talk about it, then work out, then have dinner and go to bed. And he said, he did it for the years that he was in prison. And when he came out, he said, I've never known a person in my life that when they just talk, the word of God comes out, just, just cutting up. And I wanna encourage you, I am not saying, I am not, I think it's for all of us. I think it's, it it, it doesn't matter to me what your reading level is. There's, There's more opportunities through your phone to listen to the Bible. Don't look at your reason to not apply this. Let this be motivation to figure out how to go there. Praise to you, Lord, teach me your decrees. I love that praise. Martin Luther said, let us praise the Lord and spite the devil. Honestly, some of us don't have that spite the devil grit inside of us. But my prayer is that after this battle series, you've got some of that crush, spite, take him out. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, this is, this is for us Americans, by the way. This is Because that's what our culture does. Our, that's really where people rejoice. Rejoicing Great Riches. I'll tell you how, what I, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I, I, I just wanna invite you to meditate. I wanna invite you just to take a step. What could it look like in 2020? A friend of mine, he and his wife, as they uh, go to bed at the end of the day, they have two lampstands, with, a, with both with Bibles, and they just read right before they go to bed. Just, so they just said, it had been their tradition to have laptops uh, as they were sitting there or to be on their phones and they just decided to get the screens out and they put paper Bibles in to end each day just reading the word of God. Another friend of mine, it was his personal conviction uh, to study the scripture as he went to bed um, but his wife got frustrated with him because he always had the light on and so then he needed like marriage counseling because of trying to read the Bible and it was backfiring on him and, and so so he he did this thing where he went out and he bought like a lamp that goes on his, there's like a headband with a lamp right here, a light. And so she falls asleep and then he pulls this out and he studies the word of God late at night. I, I got this other friend that for him, he gets up early in the morning and goes to the kitchen table. He's a, he's a morning guy. I just want to invite you to think what, what could it look like for you? I, 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 this other guy, he, uh, he talks about the years that he started to understand and get to where he could speak the word of God with strength came from when he worked at a grocery store and he was alone by himself. And he would just take this New Testament out of his pocket and he would find the words of Jesus. He would read one phrase, put it back in his pocket. And then he would take minutes to hours just praying, saying whispering that phrase, meditating on it while he's just stocking shelves at the grocery store. Just meditate. What does it look like? In 2020, how could you take a step in your own life to get the word of God? A couple more. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Be good to your servant while I live that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your life. That's the Old Testament version of give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might see. I might know God. I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Imagine if there was that longing like you read about here. Some longing inside of us. You could just put yourself in the text. Put yourself. If it's a if it's a story, narrative, just, just put yourself, St. Ignatius says, use all five sentence senses. Just put yourself in there. If you could smell it and touch it, picture yourself there. So it's it's not two-dimensional. It becomes three-dimensional. It becomes, you're you're, you're putting yourself into the word of God and meditating on it. It Helps you get to where you can help set other people free. Let's close with this last story. January of 2014, uh, Renata and I had four sick kids, four kids with pneumonia. And I invited a friend of mine to come pray and actually asked him to come over to pray for their healing. So he came over to our house four kids with pneumonia. And he said, guys, I would encourage you to just take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and start just proclaiming the word of God over your children, over your house. And you know, I looked at him like, one pastor looks at another pastor. I was like, thank you. I learned that in seminary too. Bless you, you know, but not Renata. The next day, and I, I mean, I woke up to sticky notes all over the house. Pa-pa, 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 on mirrors, on cupboards. I mean, it's like twf, twf, just Bible verses everywhere. Not that the Bible verses are magical, but the Bible verses the word of God alive in the people of God possesses power. And when it gets alive inside of you, you're not believing a lie. You're declaring the truth of God. And so she went out and she took it up a level. She's buying all these expensive signs from Mardell, mm, Bible verses all over the house. And I wanna encourage you to take, up, to, to take up the sword like Renata did and just go in 2020. Man, I could, I could depend on some blogs that I've read or I could depend on my own thought process. I could live with my, my whole world being just kind of about me or I could take up the sword of the spirit. I could make a difference in my own life by defeating the enemy. And I can help find, I can have other people find freedom. I can help other people if i get the word of God inside of me. I'm not asking you to turn into a Bible meditator for three hours like John Wesley, who got up at 4 a.m. tomorrow. I'm asking you to take a step. I'm asking you to ask God, what do you want me to do? What does it look like for me to get the law of the Lord, the word of God inside of me? Don't let this be your Bible, like on the stand, but not like a sword in your hand. Don't let this be like a, like a, exercise equipment in your basement that you don't use. Get it on your tongue. Get it in your mouth and use it. Will you just bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you'd help us to battle well. Talk back to the devil. When the enemy comes on and lies to us, that we'd battle back. I lift up each person that feels like they're under attack like the lies of the enemy are pressing them down. And I pray for spiritual victory today in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he can give you freedom today. I wanna invite you just to begin your journey of faith. And you can begin that just by repeating this prayer after me. This isn't all that you need to say to God, but this is a good way to start. Just say this, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me and change me. Make me a new person. I want to spend eternity with you. Not my will, but yours be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.